This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafumo. Mark Thompson. Get woke. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Before we're joined by Marcos for Thursday Coast, ladies and gentlemen, it's always a pleasure to have with us the Secretary of Education, the Honorable Miguel Cardona. Mr. Secretary, how are you today? I'm doing well, Reverend. Thank you for asking. That's good. Glad, uh, glad to have you. So a, a few things uh, going on. Um, first of all, we, we, this is what I think pe- people also want to know. Um, and most importantly, in the debt limit negotiation, the decision was made to pause student loan forgiveness, correct? Do I have that right? The decision was passed that I can no longer extend pauses and that payments would resume after the Supreme Court decision. All right. And so, and we're waiting on the Supreme Court decision, I presume, right? We have any idea when that's going to, when that's going to take place? Look, uh, we're in mid-June. I expect it in June. They typically make their decisions on Thursdays or Fridays. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if we heard something tomorrow or Friday or next week. Right, right. So it, it could come at, at any time. Um, also, um, you have launched a nationwide campaign to help students and family cut costs and access affordable high-speed internet too, correct? Tell us about that. Absolutely. Look, you know this, uh, we've talked about this before. In our country, we have disparities in achievement. Um and black and brown families and Native American families and rural communities. We're trying really hard to make sure we're addressing those obstacles. And one of them is access to online learning, uh, online to broadband access um, devices. So in addition to the infrastructure plan that's really setting up the infrastructure in the country for broadband, we set up this program in partnership with Civic Nation. Uh, People can find it on onlineforall.org. It could tell you what you're eligible for in terms of, uh, you know, you could sign up for the internet at $30 off. You could even qualify for up to $75 off or free internet uh, in some cases. So what we're trying to do is close those gaps by providing access, digital access to, to all. And it's important too, because 
online learning has become such an, an everyday part of the education process, hasn't it? You know, I say that devices and online access is the new pencil in our schools. Right. For my own children, you know, when they were in elementary school, they had access to thousands of books online. Um, as they got older, turning in assignments was done online. Communication with families online. So it's no longer a luxury like it was when it first came out, right? We were, uh, you know, 20 years ago, it was something that you do to be entertained. Now, even as adults, you want to access motor vehicle services. You want to create a me uh, telehealth appointment with your doctor. That's done online. So we're trying to make it more accessible. Um, we know there are gaps in access. We know there are millions of families that still don't have access, and we want to close those gaps. Yeah, no, that's very important. So how can families, again, find out about this and qualify for it? We're asking all families across the country, go check out onlineforall.org. Even if you have the internet and you want to see if you're eligible for a lower cost internet, because the you know, internet could be up, up to $100 a month. And for some families, while they have internet, they may not be able to afford some of the other things that they need. So check out onlineforall.org. Um, see what you're eligible for based on uh, family members' income. And um, take advantage of this program. The president, the vice president are standing behind it. We know uh, it's part of our effort to close the digital divide, to close the achievement gaps, to close that health access gaps that exist in our country. And um, we're putting our, our strategies behind our belief system that everybody should have access and that it's not a luxury, it's a right. Lastly, as you said, we started this off, this Supreme Court ruling could come any day now. Um, why don't you make the case, if you are before the Supreme Court, um, what case would you make as Secretary of Education, why this should continue, why debt forgiveness should go on? I'm gonna make the case for two cases that are coming up in front of the Supreme Court. Number one, debt relief. Um, the debt relief plan was targeted to people that need it the most, people making under $75,000, people that are more likely to need a little bit of help getting back on their feet after the pandemic. That's who it's targeted for. It's similar to the Small Business Loan Forgiveness Program, and I have complete authority under the HEROES Act. So to me, it's a black and white issue. The HEROES Act gives me authority to do it, the last administration used that HEROES Act to pause. I used the same authority to continue the pause on and to provide targeted debt relief. That's number one. Number two, affirmative action. They're going to be right. deciding on affirmative action. We have not gotten to the point where we have equal access and equal outcomes for all students. Sadly, race and place are still predictive uh, uh, predictors of where students end up. Um, we need to make sure that our colleges are diverse, that students are learning in diverse environments. That's good for all students. And we need to make sure that we have specific efforts to make sure that the students that are entering our colleges are as beautifully diverse as our country. Failure to do that will take us back to, in my opinion, the Jim Crow era. We need to step up. And I'm, I'm paying attention to that case because I know that if it doesn't go the direction it needs to go, um, we're going to be taking our country backwards and we need our families to understand the implications of this. Um, we're, we're ready and we're going to continue to fight for a diverse uh, higher education system because that's what our country deserves. Secretary of Education, folks, Miguel Cardona.
Good to see you as always, my friend. Thank you, Raph. Take care. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Time once again for another edition of Thursday Coast with the founder of the largest online progressive community, DailyCoast.com, the host of the ever-popular podcast, The Brief, and founder of Civics with a Q, Marcos Melissas, who, by the way, I'm sure I dedicated he is. He is under the weather, no doubt. And I said, man, why don't you just take the day off? He's now there's too much to talk about, too much news. Oh God, so but much to talk about. There is so much to talk about. He could not resist coming in on Thursday Coast today to have this conversation. So here we are. And yes, there is a lot to talk about. Amen. How are you, sir? Besides having a cold. Uh, beside the cold, I'm doing really good. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. <clears throat> so obviously you, like everybody else, uh, took a look at the arraignment. Um, folks heard Malcolm Nance and Ellie Mistal on here. Uh, and Malcolm, we ran out of time. Malcolm can talk for hours. So I suggested that he book Malcolm on the brief too. So he could do part two, three, and four. Cause th- there's so much stuff. And, and bottom line is. Folks, this isn't just small stuff. There is a possibility Donald Trump has exposed uh, operatives for the United States government and U.S. government allies to being pursued and maybe even being executed. That is a possibility. And that may, that's what Malcolm Nance was saying. That may, in fact, come up at trial. Marcos, what kind of person wants the CIA, MI6, Mossad, and every other intelligence agent, every other Western intelligence agency, angry at them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't eat it. I wouldn't go out to dinner anymore. I wouldn't get on another airplane. I mean, that's just. <laughs> I mean, first of all, you know, you said, you said me and everybody else has looked at the uh, indictment. That, the Republicans haven't looked at the indictment. They're they're all pretending that they don't know what's in it. Right. <clears throat> that that it's no big deal. That it's just a couple of documents. Uh, you had Lindsey Graham saying that it was a technicality and like nothing got nothing got shown to the Saudis. And are you really going to go on on that limb knowing Donald Trump? Because uh, we know that Donald Trump was showing that thing to Kid Rock and anybody that walked wedding guests that walked through. Who's not to say that he didn't show it to to uh, intelligence officer? <clears throat> uh, what's more is that we know that the indictment does not cover all of the documents that Donald Trump hid away. That there is a tranche of them that is missing from this indictment. And so there's a lot of speculation. I don't know if Malcolm talked about that, <clears throat> but it does seem like it was some of the most sensitive material. So either the government does not want to talk about it at all, or they're saving it for yet another indictment um, on uh, more serious espionage charges. Yeah, that I, I think that's he did talk about that. And that is a possibility. There's there's a, there's a um, there's a lot to this. In including the chance that there could be more espionage charges. So this is not something for him to just shake a finger at. But I mean, he's running around campaigning, acting like everything's okay. He's even said, I guess last night, night before last, I can do whatever I want to do, Presidential Records Act. But then he's also on record saying, talking to others, saying he knows 
he knew that this was not something he could approve. Yeah, of course he knew. And and he's, he walks around misquoting the Presidential Records Act. Everybody has told him <clears throat> that what he thinks it says is the exact opposite. He probably knows this. He doesn't care. He thinks if he repeats it over and over again, that uh, it'll become its own truth, its own reality. But I think it also speaks to his lawyers quitting, you know, one after the other. They keep quitting. Why? Because you know that Donald Trump is law-splaining to them what the law says when they're like, you know, out of their minds trying to get him to shut up, to not continue to incriminate himself, and to stop saying things that just are not true. And so um, I don't know if he really knows what the Presidential Records Act says or if he just making <clears throat> or if he uh, truly uh, is, uh, you know, doesn't understand and just refuses to believe people when they tell him what it is. But um, I think there's a reason why he keeps losing lawyers, and it's because he keeps acting like he knows what the law is and how he's so innocent when he clearly, obviously, on record, on tape, is not. No, you're right. I, I think we have a clip of some of his. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's is you wonder whether he Saturday Night Live is still imitating him, imitating him, or is he imitating Saturday Night Live? He sounds just like the dude. You got a box. I got it. Isn't that terrible? The espionage act. Yeah, it is terrible. No president has ever been charged with this. This is Benedict Arnold. Arnold was not a president. But this literally he's. Made put himself in that category. I mean, it is quite uh, amazing and, and <clears throat> understanding he, I mean, it's, it goes back to him saying that he can shoot somebody on 35th, 35th Avenue. Nobody would give it, you know, nobody would care. He knows he's got the glare of the presidency on him uh, and the post-presidency. And he invites that glare. It's not like he is a reluctant participant. Like he thrives on that. And yet he is absolutely rubbing people's face in the fact that he can do whatever he wants. <clears throat> and that, in his mind, there can never be any consequences because if there is, then people will get all mad and they'll riot and, and they'll do stuff. And and you even see it with with uh, Republicans saying, "Oh, Biden is politicizing the Department of Justice." All of you know, ignoring the fact that they're all chanting "Lock her up!" Right? Like, let's ignore that piece. They're all crying about how oh how terrible it is that Biden is politicizing the Justice Department. That very same day, at Benminster. Donald Trump talks about how the first thing he would do as president is go after Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. So he is rubbing it in their face or trying to defend them. And they, he does this to them over and over again. And Mark, we've talked about it for how many years now? Seven, eight years. <clears throat> that Trump <laughs> does, he, Republicans rush out to defend him and he makes them look like fools every single time. So now, of course, you got Lindsey Graham and them saying that, oh, this is just a technicality. Uh, that he had these documents, you know, just keeping in mind that he did not get charged for any of the documents he returned. So, you know, if you're going to talk about Mike Pence or Joe Biden having classified documents or Hillary Clinton, all of them returned everything that they had in their possession. Trump was not charged on those documents. 
So he's been charged with the stuff that he hid and he conspired with lawyers and staff to hide them from the FBI and the uh, archives. And uh, <clears throat> now that the big, you know, the defense is, well, at least he did not sell them to Vladimir Putin and, and, and uh, the Saudis. And, you know, you know, it's going to come out that he did. You know, it's going to come out that he did. And I'll be really interested to see what that goalpost looks like at that point, because they will always find a way to defend him, even though he's led them to three straight losing elections in a row. I do not understand why they cannot quit the guy that has cost them so much. And even Chris Christie, the town hall on CNN on, on uh, I think it was on Monday or Tuesday, uh, said that Trump was a loser, loser, loser three times. And, you know, if they keep this up, it'll be a fourth time loser because Trump is nothing but loser for Republicans. They cannot quit him. They keep defending him, even though he is now <laughs> being charged under the Espionage Act. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But you know what's interesting? All of the candidates, most of them, first came out um, and said that they they defended Trump. They thought this was some type of witch hunt. But then in the past 24 hours, you know, I have, even have Mike Pence. Pretty, Mike Pence pretty much saying, getting off the fence, I should say. Mike Pence getting off the fence, pretty much saying that Trump, what Trump did is, is not defensible. Uh, I, I think as as the indictment was being read, as people have had an opportunity to read it, those who the few Republicans who have read, it, including Mike Pence, I think even Tim Scott made a statement that this this is a little murky. Um, so now they're even acknowledging that this is is not a good is not a good thing. Yeah, we uh, that's what the focus of our uh, of the brief, you know, my podcast, the brief was this week. We looked at the presidential statements. Um, from the Republican presidential field. <clears throat> and, you know, yeah, Chris Christie sort of establishing that hard edge, right? Saying, like, this is criminal. This is. Right, right. And I think he's giving a little bit of space for people to be a little more aggressive in going after, um, going after Trump. On the most spineless side, you have Rick DeSantis. Uh, you have uh, <clears throat> DeSantis. Uh, what do I call him, Rick? <laughs> That's Rick Scott. Ron, Ron DeSantis. <clears throat> and so he's still really afraid to do anything that that might sound challenging to Trump. But but yeah, you're starting to see a lot more. No, what you're seeing is, well, it looks bad or, you know, what what Mike Pence said is I can't defend it. But they're all still saying that they would pardon Trump. Right. So they, they still cannot quit him. They still want those Trump supporters to like them. And the reality is that they're not a they're not a majority of the Republican Party. They're definitely not a national majority. And there is a uh, there's a place to carve out, like to become the anti-Trump alternative in that field. It would require the field to consolidate because uh, then Trump would be winning with 35, 40 percent of the primary vote. But if they can consolidate around one anti-Trump candidate, there's a there's a chance that somebody could present that alternative. And <clears throat> we saw it in Georgia last cycle where where, uh, you know, the Democrats held the Senate seat yet lost the governorship because Georgia Governor Brian Kemp has been able to separate himself out from Trump. And he's still conservative. He's horrible on all the issues. But by saying, I'm not Trump, you know, Trump doesn't like me. I'm not one of his people. Those suburban swing voters were happy to vote for him instead of, of Stacey Abrams, unfortunately. And uh, so there's a place there that has electoral value. But um, I don't, I don't see Republicans really going for it. And even, even Chris Christie, who's the aggressive one, 
I don't think he's running to win. I think he's running to take down Donald Trump. I mean, he's he's a, it's a kamikaze mission, and it's going to be great. But he's also kind of an a hole bully, and so he's not he's not the alternative. I think that uh, that Republicans need, but maybe he is. He serves a purpose of you know. There's a big there's big money in Republican politics now looking to take down Donald Trump because he is a loser for them. And but it, the mainstream of the party. And most elected officials still can't quit him. And it just blows my mind. The you're right. I think it takes a bully to take down a bully. I think you're right. It probably is a kamikaze mission. So good. I mean, that's fine. Chris Christie will probably serve no other meaningful purpose uh, to humankind. He hasn't thus far. So let him serve. Let him, you know, serve this purpose in the way that that we we need him to. Somebody has to do it. Somebody has to do it. And I don't know what Chris Christie, you're right. I mean, he, he, he Chris Christie will never be president. He'll um, uh, he'll never, probably never win the Republican nomination. As a matter of fact, I mean, not only is he a bully, he, his, he was a prosecutor himself. So if anyone should know how to handle this and go after Trump and neutralize him, uh, I'd be curious to know whether where he's get his, getting his money from. I wonder if there are those who are going to give him money who know what you have been repeating, that Trump has cost elections for the Republicans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But if you want to finance Chris Christie. And if you if you notice, uh, Mitch McConnell has not said a word. He yeah. has kept his mouth shut. I would not be surprised if it's his money network that's actually putting money into Chris Christie. The uh, other prosecutor in the race is Asa Hutchinson. Uh, former governor of, of Arkansas. Nobody knows who he is. He's, he's a non-factor. But he's also been very aggressive on um, the legal front. And, it, and it's, it, it's, I think it's noteworthy that the two prosecutors in that Republican field are the two people who are like, we're the party of law and order. <laughs> What's going on here? And it is amazing how Republicans, they, they gave up on family values. They gave up on national security. They gave up on law and order. They've given up so much on the altar of Trump. The only thing Trump gave him was lower tax cuts uh, or tax cuts. Uh, he's given them nothing else except being put in the minority. And the only reason the Republicans have the House is because of gerrymandering. It's not even, you know, <clears throat> they, they in the OMAP, they would have lost seats. So they are in a very, very difficult place because Donald Trump, he does not bring anything to the table. He doesn't care about building the Republican Party or the brand. He stands for nothing. He's attacking Ron DeSantis for cutting Social Security and cutting entitlement programs, uh, which is literally what Republicans are supposed to, you know, in their mind, that's what they're supposed to be doing because he stands for nothing. He has no ideology other than what's good for him. And so as long as he's around, the Republican Party is just going to be in in mortal danger <clears throat> of irrelevancy. And and that's why I do think that there's some conservative money trying to bring their party back from the brink. And at this point, I don't think they even, if I'm them, I don't care about winning this next election. Joe Biden is pretty inoffensive when it comes to, you know, an opposition party. He'd be like Mitt Romney on their side. Like we wouldn't like him, but like it's Mitt Romney, like um, it's not going to end the world. But um the uh, the uh, although we didn't think that when he was running for president, <laughs> we had no idea <clears throat> how low they would go. But um, 
So if I'm Republicans, I'm I'm taking down Trump. I'm taking down MAGA. Like I'm getting rid of that freaking movement, and I'm trying to rebuild in the suburbs and to build a new coalition. And it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think I think there's some Democratic um, uh, culture stuff that does make some people squeamish, um, rightly or wrongly, and mostly wrongly. And a smart Republican could take advantage of it in a way that isn't hateful and and uh, polarizing and do some damage. And I, I even look at somebody like, like and, um, you know, we talked about Tim Scott in South Carolina, right? He seems to conduct on a human level. <clears throat> he doesn't seem terrifying. I mean, we know he's a doctrinaire conservative. I think he can make inroads in white suburban America because everybody likes her, you know, I'm not racist. I voted for the black guy um, mentality. And uh, there, not that he's going to get through a Republican primary, but there's a place, there's a spot for the Republican Party to rebuild itself as a not hateful, but, uh, but fiscally conservative party. And we'd all hate it and we'd all attack it and we all... But it wouldn't be what we see now, which is an outright assault on our democracy and eliminationist rhetoric towards entire groups of people uh, because they are different. And so what we have now is a fascist movement, not a party. And so I do think that there are Republicans that are interested, you know, and that's where the Chris Christie money is going in. And there might be money going to Brian Kemp. There's a big push to draft them into the race. Um, oh, really? I, I had not heard that. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I think the Washington Post had a whole article that there's that that Brian Kemp is being urged and money's being pledged to him if he does. I think Christie would be a I mean Christie could still be there, right? Christie could be the kamikaze, take down Trump, and then Brian Kemp is a reasonable, you know, savior Republican who isn't hateful. He still has abortion, you know, all the things that like the Republican Party right now is screwed. Fundamentally screwed. But you got if you're going to rebuild, you got to start rebuilding somewhere. And so, yeah, it may mean they lose the next couple of cycles in a row. But, you know, they've done that before. They did that after Watergate, Richard Nixon. Right. And, you know, just what? One cycle later, they had Ronald Reagan. And a couple of years later, they had or no, another decade later, they had uh, Newt Gingrich in the house. You start from somewhere and you rebuild. Right now, they are in the gutter. And it is. <clears throat> I mean, it is fun to watch them, you know, go after each other. I mean. The House right now is deadlocked because the Republicans are obstructing each other. It's absolutely hilarious. There's supposedly a deal, uh, but who knows? We'll see if it holds up because the deal was with the uh, Freedom Caucus, the Nihilists, and now the moderates, moderate Republican, quote, moderate, scare quotes, are now uh, rebelling and uh, acting like they're going to be obstructing stuff. So right now, Republicans are going after each other. They have their civil war. It's going to play out in the presidential um it's our opportunity to, to really take advantage of this moment and take back the House, take back state legislatures and governorships, uh, hold the Senate, improve the Senate. There's a way we can actually improve the Senate and get to that filibuster-proof majority. And, of course, we have to hold the White House. And I think that's our job, but it sure is. I'm having so much fun watching Republicans eat each other. And, you know, let's not forget that Trump, this isn't the last indictment. This is too Probably four, maybe five. So we still got a bunch of these to come. While he's he's running for office, it's obvious to the other candidates. I had not heard that about um, Brian Kemp, but it's obvious to the other candidates are seeking his base. Um, the uh, uh, 
they, they don't want to offend his base. All right. Uh, so they're going to kiss up to him. Hopefully, hopefully that whatever happens to him, his base will will come to them. Right. That's really what's going on. Yeah. They think he'll he'll <clears throat> he'll willfully willingly, um, rich, you know, uh, leave the field. Right. Drop out of the race. I don't see why he would ever do that. He actually thinks that winning the presidency is his ticket out. Right. He could pardon himself. He could uh, he could take that investigative machinery and turn it on its enemies. I mean, so there's no reason for Donald Trump to quit. He's certainly not being pushed out by his own party, which is crazy. Um, you couldn't imagine this in a million years happening on the Democratic side. And reality is there's like, there's like it's a cult. I mean, <clears throat> you, you hear you hear like MAGA cultists say, oh, I don't see anybody waving a Joe Biden flag. Right, because we, you know, if we're gonna wave a flag, it's gonna be the American flag. Like, we're not a cult. We're not. We're not worshiping at the altar of a human being. And it, it's amazing because they accuse. I don't know, Mark. You probably remember this. They accuse Democrats of of worshiping Obama. Oh, you worship Obama. And like, no, we didn't have flags. We didn't have parades, boat parades, truck parades with you know Obama flags. Uh, I mean, it was it was it was ridiculous. And and so their weird cult fetish obsession with trump is um it's taking down the republican party that part's great but it's also what fuels trump and keeps him in, you know engaged and and again i will i will never to the end of my days understand why republicans just don't like cut off that cancer and yeah it'll cost them some elections but it's already cost them three how many more do they want to lose before they realize they got to do this they could have impeached them in 2000 they would have lost 2002 but now they'd be on the rebuild path and they could be talking about being a new Republican Party and have Brian Kemp and, and people like that representing them. Instead, they're still dealing with Donald Trump and until they get rid of him, they're going to keep losing. I mean, good for us, bad for the country, bad for the world. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. This is a bit of news that's probably not broken uh, the national wires. WSB, Channel 2 Action News in Atlanta, has learned that team members of Fulton County Sheriff's of this Fulton County Sheriff's Office went to Miami Tuesday mm. to help prepare in case former President Donald Trump is charged in Fulton County. In weeks, it is expected that Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis will announce whether or not charges will be filed against Trump in Georgia, tied to her investigation into possible election interference during Georgia's 2020 election. Um, the sheriff's office says security in the Fulton County Courthouse is his responsibility uh, and that he sent key members, uh, the sheriff sent key members of the sheriff's office leadership team to Miami to observe security there with the former president in court in case such a thing happens there in Fulton County. So that that happens. This thing might it, that too might be getting it's coming, getting real. It's coming. I mean, it's real. It's, it's all the pieces that have been put in place. These are methodical investigations. They've taken a while because obviously the case will be picked apart, you know, by by Republicans. And so the, the case has to be airtight. But yeah, no, it's coming. You got you got Fulton County coming and you got uh, Smith has probably at least one more investigation. The, the electoral inter interference, <clears throat> the coup election. And then there's a campaign finance one. Tens or if not hundreds of millions of dollars that disappear from Trump accounts. Um, that one emerged 
recently. Um, and then you have, uh, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's going to be a year of indictments. And <clears throat> Trump's lawyers are going to delay and they're going to appeal. They're going to do everything possible to drag this out till after the election. So we may not have an actual felon running, but they might. They might. A, a, a nominee who's a felon, potentially. Yeah. Because he's still, I mean, uh, um, Christie will hobble him. I don't know what's going to happen with Brian Kelly. <laughs> but, I mean, he still could very likely win his nomination. Who, Trump? Yeah. I think it's likely he wins the nomination. I mean, right now, he's, he's 30 points ahead of the next person. So it's early. <clears throat> and yeah, a lot can happen. And uh, say Christie kneecaps him. He drops into, you know, the 40, 30 percent, you know, his core base. He keeps getting indicted. People start getting disenchanted or depressed because her hero keeps getting taken down by the by the uh, deep state. I mean, if he's if he's the guy who's going to be the deep state, how come he keeps getting indicted? <clears throat> it seems like the deep state is winning right now, if you ask me, if you believe in that kind of conspiracy theory. So, yeah, there's there's a scenario. And then you'd have to have a, you know, a coal, you know, coalescing on that Republican field around one anti-Trump <clears throat> alternative. And it did happen last time they had a chance in 2016. You had, uh, who was it? It was uh, Ted Cruz and uh, somebody else. It was two people that, like, that uh, fractured the the anti-Trump vote. And so Trump was able to win with, like, 35 40% of the vote in these states. And remember, the Republican primary, it's winner take all. So you can win with 35% and you get all of it. You get all of the states. Uh, delegates and the Republican and the Democratic primaries proportionate. So if you win 50% of the vote, you're going to get about half the delegates. Not exact, but it's roughly the way it works. So it's easier to be <clears throat> a challenger. That's how Bernie Sanders hung out, hung around as long as he did uh, both times, just because that proportion. If it was winner take all, thing would have been, you know, over in six weeks. But yeah. uh, Bernie kept getting delegates. Um, the Republicans don't do that that way. And so there would have to be one anti-Trump candidate with, with that Republican field. Would people drop out to provide that? I don't know. Um, if they were smart, they would, but they haven't shown that. Come to think of it, Mark, I haven't asked you this, Marcus, I haven't asked you this either. What, um, what happens with the primary calendar now that the Democrats' primary calendar has changed? Republicans will just have a separate primary calendar in terms of the states that go in order? Yeah, they're gonna do it. They're gonna do it the traditional order. Um, the Democrats, it's it's still it's gonna be interesting because um, Iowa and New Hampshire, by their own laws, have to be one and two. And now the state, the Democrats are saying, yeah, you don't get to do that anymore. <clears throat> that doesn't change the date of those contests. But what the Democratic Party can say is, we won't see your delegates, and so. That's the sort of the the face off. In the past, what's when that's happened? Florida once moved up against the rules, and the delegates were seated at the you know because it didn't matter to the results of the of the election. They were seated as a goodwill gesture. Um, but uh, that there's going to be a face off, and it really doesn't matter this year because there's no there's no real Democratic primary, so um, the stakes are low this time around. It'll be a lot higher in, in four years for sure. Marcos Melissus, as always, check out the brief, folks. Um, wherever you get your podcast, it's available everywhere. Also, become a part of the Daily Coast community. Many of you already are, but if you've not done so, please do so. Stay informed on all the latest progressive news. 
uh, Ned Roots Nation around the corner as well. Looking forward to... Uh, see you there, right, Mark? Yes. Yeah. In Chicago. Yeah, it's really fun. The, the, the Democratic Party uh, what took a cue from Ned Roots Nation did yeah. in terms of deciding where to have the convention. I love Chicago. It's my hometown. Yeah, that's cool. Now, I'll tell you, I was in Georgia during the whole Stop Cop City stuff. Georgia is mad because they wanted, they felt after producing Raphael Warnock that they deserved to have the convention in Atlanta. For real, they should have. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what that's about. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, but it'll be, it'll be Chicago. I'll, yeah, Chicago's great. It'll be fine. And you know what we do? So we were in Pittsburgh. We went to a ball game. We're gonna, wait a minute. We're going to go see the White. You're a Cubs fan. We'll go to Wrigley. Um, yeah. We'll go to Wrigley. Are the yeah. Cubs are the Cubs in town? Um, I don't know. Find out. Yeah, we'll we'll look at it. <laughs> if they're not in town, the White Sox sure will be. So we'll get a ball game. Yeah, one or the other. I don't I don't yeah, I'm I'm good with either. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Marcos, Melitzas, thank you as always, buddy. Yeah, have a great one. Catch you uh next week. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister or brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.